Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittam, and this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. And today's show is brought to you by Mercury Mile. Mercury Mile is fusing fashion and function for runners of all abilities. And all it takes is three easy steps. Just go online to mercurymile.com, create your profile, add in your preferences and sizes, and you will get a curated box of goodies in about a week or two, usually 8 to 12 things per box. And the best part is this is not a subscription service. You get a box whenever you want one, which usually is more often than not, considering the high-quality stuff they put in there. Also... You keep what you love, you send back what you don't, so there's no harm in even giving it a try. In addition, if you use code RAMBLINGRUNNER10 at checkout, you'll save 10 bucks on the $20 stylist fee. So give Rambling Runner a shot. You may be thinking, hey Matt, it's Christmas Eve. I've already spent all the money I need to spend on anything for a long time, but let's be honest. If you get something you really, really like, you know you're going to want to keep it. Shoot, I have tights that I bought eight years ago that are still in really good shape. And while it's a little you know, awkward for me to say that out loud now that I'm doing it, it's the truth. So give Mercury Mile a shot at mercurymile.com. So today's episode is with Alicia Omumi. Alicia ran CIM and kicked butt. But that's not why you're listening to this. A lot of people kick butt at CIM. That's one of the reasons to run the California International Marathon. The reason Alicia was a guest that I couldn't wait to have on is because her path to this point, her path to her BQ was not a linear one by any stretch of the imagination. And that's something that so many of us can relate to, especially your host. So I was really excited to have her on, not only because... She's so personable. She's so much fun to talk to, but because she has been having some ups and downs and just craziness over the last two years of marathoning, and as she puts it in this episode, don't follow her lead with how she (laughs) progressed through the first year to year and a half of her marathon journey, but I think you can all learn from her lessons, and ultimately, I think she has a very entertaining episode and entertaining story as well, so I hope you enjoy this episode with Alicia Omumi. Hello, Alicia, and welcome to the Rambling Runner podcast. Hey, Matt. So nice to talk with you. So nice to talk with you, too. We actually got to meet in person a couple weeks ago at the California International Marathon. That was always fun. It was uh, when I've been following you a while. So when I saw you at the expo, I was like, hey, I know who that is. I know. That was really awesome. I was actually there. um, I was waiting for my friend to finish her shift. And so I was literally at the expo practically all day. And it was really nice to see a familiar face. <laughs> and it's funny because like, I would assume that you would know a lot of people in that room, considering how just involved you are with uh, Arite, which is you know your running club that you're a part of, and you know being involved in some of the social media world in an extensive capacity. Do you get to see a lot of people that you maybe knew digitally but not necessarily in person? Yeah, I absolutely did. It was so funny. So I would walk around and then this one girl would DM me and go, are you here at the expo? And I was like, yes. And then we would meet in person. And it just was, it already like kicked off a really magical weekend. So it was, it was very cool. Yeah. So we were, we were were chatting a couple of times. And one time we were just like plopped down on the couch and we're just like, you know, hanging out. And what struck me 
multiple times, but specifically that one time we were just hanging out on the couch was you seemed so calm and relaxed. And I don't know if confidence is the right word, but you just had this aura about you. Like, like, like you weren't about to go run a marathon that you've been training really hard and very publicly <laughs> about, um, what were your feelings going into that weekend? Cause you seemed like to be in such a good place. Um, I owe a lot of that and we'll, we'll dive deeper into it, but I really owe a lot of it to Kara Goucher's new book, um, strong. Um, but honestly, I've been on this rodeo of, uh, try and fail and try and fail on, uh, BQing for like the last year and a half. So I really like came to terms with the fact that if it didn't happen at CIM and by means like if it didn't happen, meaning like BQ, if it didn't happen, there was always going to be another marathon around the corner. So I just thought, why not? Like, let, let's see what happens on Sunday. So, yeah. <laughs> So what about getting a Boston Marathon qualifying time was the goal for a few years now? Um, so slowly but surely, so I was never a runner, just as like a backstory about who I am as a person. I was never a runner. My mom and um, my biological father were runners like in high school and college. I remember my mom taking me to the track and I had like those power wheels uh barbie like corvettes and like <laughs> would like uh be on the track with her while she was like doing her 800 still and i saw them run but i never like had a passion to run and then um in 2010 well after college my one of my best friends she said do you want to run your first or do you want to run a marathon or half marathon and I was like uh like what do I have to do for that and she goes well you have to you know run 13.1 miles and at the end you get a Tiffany's necklace and I was like what like that's all I have to do when I get a Tiffany's necklace so of course like I signed up and just um followed like the Nike running um training app and just committed to that and I ran the marathon and I d walked a lot because it was the San Francisco Nike women's and it was a really hard course. And I finished like a little under two hours and 30 minutes. And from that day forward, I was like, I'm hooked. Like this feeling is irreplaceable. So, um, yeah, I actually don't remember your question. Sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Just as a quick aside, that seems like a pretty extravagant thing to get at the end of a race. Yeah, it was um, the most amazing, and they stopped doing it, and it was the most amazing, powerful, um, empowering race Nike was doing for a few years, and um, at the end, they had a specially designed Tiffany necklace that was served on a silver platter by the San Francisco firefighters who wore tuxedos, like, it was just amazing, <laughs> and there was team and training and you can just see these women wearing like I'm running for, you know, my father, I'm running for my mother, I'm running for and they have pictures on their jerseys or like their race kits. And I'm just like bawling my eyes out because it's just like it was just emotional. And then at the same time, women were just saying very nice, supportive things to each other. So it was 
very, very cool um, to be a part of. No, I bet. So that kind of lit this, I guess, was sparked the flame for you as a runner. And it seems to be um, not necessarily the ideal race distance for your first race. (laughs) So so did you just stay with the longer races or did you peel back to some of the shorter stuff after that? Um, After that, I did like some 5Ks and but I really kept it going with the half marathon. And then I didn't run my first marathon until 2012. So two years later, I actually ran it with my mom for my 26th birthday. So 26.2 miles for 26 years. And every mile we like would celebrate a special memory of like my year of that, um, my time. Yeah. So like if I was turning two, she would talk about memory of me when I was two and all the way till 26. So it was a really magical moment to share with my mom. Um, but yeah, I just, um, I just fell in love with running and unveiling these layers within yourself. Um, and then, so flash forward, now I remember your question. So flash forward, why BQing became so important to me was I always would set this goal of, you know, um, and then accomplishing it. So this, this belief that I couldn't do something. And then when I would do it, it was just so powerful and overwhelming. So that was, that was what BQing meant for me. It was, how do I run strong and fast? How do I, how do I become best of the best? Because since Boston is such a prestigious race. So I just kept trying and trying and trying. (laughs) Now, the first couple times you were trying, um, can you look back now and identify what might have gone wrong with those attempts? Yeah. So the very first attempt was the San Francisco Marathon of 2017, so a year ago. And I just, I mean, okay, so another little side story about me is I'm a self-taught, like completely self-taught. I read a lot of books. I follow the average training plans that like runner world put out there. Um, and so training for that marathon, I was following a runner's world training plan and was doing all my run solo, uh, long run solo. Um, and I wasn't doing speed work, but I was doing some strength training And then I remember I ran 22 miles by myself and I felt like the ultimate badass. Like I ran a 755 average pace. I was like, I am gold. I am in a BQ at the San Francisco marathon. And then two weeks before the race, I strained a tendon in my foot and literally couldn't walk. And I was like, that's, it like I I don't I can't do this so I went to the marathon and I supported my friend Elise who was her first um, marathon and I was there crying and laughing and just being a part of it because I was like I could have had this um and then so that was a setback which was fun (laughs) to deal with (laughs) how did you hurt your foot um I think honestly I don't really know other than the fact that my shoes had 400 miles on them, which 
you should normally retire your shoes by anywhere between 350 and 400. And um, I also wasn't wearing the right shoes, which was another thing that I didn't know. I didn't have the right arch support. I'm a flat-footed uh, runner, so I really need a lot of um, support and stability. And these sh- shoes I was running in just didn't provide it. So I think it was just um, the perfect storm of mileage and, yeah, running a 20-mile run and then my foot just not being happy. So, yeah. <laughs> so during this buildup, were you running with people or were you just not only like self-taught trying to figure it out on your own and adapting the plan to what you're going through, but also doing these runs solo? I was completely solo. Like I was not a part of any running communities. Um, I was, I mean, the only people I knew were my work, my workout friends, um, that we would do strength training together. I, everybody thought I was too fast and by too fast, meaning like I ran an eight minute mile and they ran a 10 minute mile. So again, it's all relative. Um, so nobody really wanted to run with me. Um, so that was kind of <laughs> bummer. Cause I'm, I love running with other people, even if you're running a 10 or 12 minute mile. <laughs> there you go. All right. So that, so obviously you get that injury, which is, you know, such a bummer because that like, you know, you know, sets you back. You had this really good training run. You were feeling confident. So did you just take what worked well in that cycle and just apply it to the next one? Uh, Kind of. Um, It was a slow deterioration of my love for running, honestly. Um, So I took a little bit of time off to let my foot heal. And I had actually set up a backup marathon just in case. I didn't DQ at the San Francisco Marathon. Um, so I was going to run the Santa Rosa Marathon. And if anybody has ever ran the Santa Rosa Marathon, it's in August, late August, which is Indian summer. It's hot. <laughs> it's it's a qualifying BQ uh, course. It's flat with some rolling hills. But the day I ran at 6 a.m. It was already 70 degrees and living in San Francisco. (laughs) I love the fog and I love overcast weather. So my body was just not acclimated to, to the weather. Um, and I actually ended up running that marathon in 401. So it was kind of a confidence killer for me just because I knew I still had a lot of, um, my strength in me to be able to get me through the miles, but I just was so overheated and walked a lot of it. Um, and then after that, I felt like I was breaking up with running. I felt like my body was failing me. Um, I was really hard on myself and I, and then again, I had set up another marathon in for, uh, Uh, It was CIM 2017. So I was like, well, I'm not going to train for that one. (laughs) I just would uh, go to Barry's boot camp and soul cycle like once a week because I just needed to do something completely different. And I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to run this, this marathon. Um, But I'm like, I committed. It's a girl's weekend and I'm going to get through it one way or another. (laughs) And that's hard because I feel like I hear your story about Santa Rosa 
and it seems like the perfect opportunity to like have someone tell you like hey don't get down about this race like you just overheated like you know yeah kind of like stuff happens you know what are you gonna do yeah and you know having the support of the instagram community people can tell you things um but if you're not ready to listen to it (laughs) to their advice it's not going to make any sense in that very moment. And I'm sure somebody was like, well, it was hot. Don't beat yourself up. But I was just like, no, I failed myself. I failed. My body failed. Um, so, yeah. Right. Because it's kind of like trying to, at one, on one hand, like be tough, right? You have, you have to run a marathon well. You have, to be, you have to be tough about it. And you have to be able to fight through hard things, which can be tricky if you're just, you know, if you go overboard and all of a sudden say, like, there's no excuses for anything, right? There's no mitigating factors. There's no, you know, there's no, there's no reasons for times to be slower, things like that. Like, that can be a slippery slope. Yeah, totally. So, yeah, I know you are a big fan of Arate now. And you work with Mary, who's the co-founder? She, yeah, she's a co-founder and she's the coach. And then the other co-founders, Melissa, who do who does more of the creative um, stuff of Arate, and I joined that team um, end of June of this year of 2018 because I was really looking for accountability, um, and a few of the girls on Instagram DM'd me and said, you know, you really should join our team. Um, you're, we meet up twice a week, we go to the track, we do long runs. Um, and so it got to the point that failed marathon and I say failed marathon, but they weren't, they weren't failures. Like I finished them for the most part, but I just wasn't happy with, with where my mind was at and where my, what the time was. I knew I was capable of so much more, especially looking back at 2017 and knowing for a fact I can run 22 miles at a 755 pace so it was only a matter of time of who was going to help me get back to that point and that was Arte now the gap between CIM and then like that June where you joined up with them what happened from a running perspective because you just as you just mentioned like you felt like you were breaking up with running because it wasn't going really well um so how did you reconcile with running? Yeah. So back to CIM 2017. Um, I didn't think I was going to run the marathon because I was like, I didn't train. And then, of course, the morning of, I look at my friend Elise and I had these crazy eyes and big dreams. And I was like, I'm the BQ today. And she goes, okay, yeah, you will. Like, okay. And so all the way up until um, – I felt amazing all the way up until mile 16. And then my knee kind of like gave out on me because I think I just, my IT band was so tight and it was like, what are you doing? You haven't ran in like forever. And so it was a slow uh, shuffle till the end, but I actually ended up PRing my marathon for at a three forty nine, And it was that feeling of, okay, you can do this, this, this love of running, like whooshed back on myself. So I was like, okay, I'm going to sign up for the Napa Valley marathon. So that gave me, and that was in March 
Uh, Man, you were just one after another. I know. And I think looking back, if somebody is going through the same thing I did to myself, I would say, please don't do that. Please. Like there will always be another one, but just let yourself breathe and let yourself like heal a little bit. So so what did you do between those two marathons? You just brought up the IT issue. Like, yeah, you know, March is not a quick, you know, CIM is the first weekend in December. So you're on a March marathon. Like that's pretty quick. Yeah. So I gave again myself like a couple weeks off and tried to follow the runner's world, that one runner's world plan again. Um, and it was really difficult, um, because I also had just started a job. And so I was finding that balance of being passionate about my job and passionate about my training and my job 100% one. So my training wasn't there. And I look back now and I look at my training log and, you know, I was, I was running like maybe 35 miles average, maybe. And that's really, really generous. Um, so the buildup from this season to, you know, that season, I'm just like, I, it was like a train wreck. It was a recipe for disaster. And yeah, so I did the marathon Napa Valley. All right. Let me stop you there. Let me stop you there. Yeah. (laughs) So like, so you're going into like, so two consecutive marathons with little to no ideal training going in. No. So how, so how were you feeling on each of those start lines? Like knowing that you really didn't prepare yourself the way that you had in the past for a different marathon and the way you knew you probably should have. Like, yeah. What is that feeling like? It was on the start line? nervousness with optimism. <laughs> I don't like, I just, yeah, I was very optimistic, but at the same time, like I was so naive. I was so, so naive. And yeah. So how did that one go? How did Napa go? Um, well, my mom was on that course. She was an amazing cheerleader. So knowing that she was there every few miles was really nice because it's actually um, Napa Valley is a very small marathon. Um, and I also learned on that course, I don't do well on very small marathons um, in the sense of like the crowd support. Like I need that energy. Um, I started off way too fast. I think my first mile was like a 745. I was like following this guy. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to beat cute or I'm going to do a sub 330 also. And he ended up, I think, crushing it that day and running like a 320 something or low 320. So um, I, I failed. Like I, you know, I finished the marathon, so I shouldn't say I failed. Um, but in my mind, I had let myself down because I just didn't give it 100%. I didn't give 100% in my training and yeah. So then what, you gave yourself another two weeks and started another (laughs) marathon? (laughs) Kind of. It was a very, uh, psychotic, uh, path I was on. Um, yeah, actually. So I had joined the, um, or I, I had applied to be a San Francisco marathon ambassador and because I, I didn't get to run the course last year, I thought, well, I'll redeem myself and I'll run 
the San Francisco Marathon, but this time I was training with a group called Run 365, which is supported by the San Francisco Marathon. And I was running the long runs with an 8.30 to 9-minute group, and I met amazing people, people that I, like, talk to every day to, to today. And we, yeah, we trained for it, and then the marathon happened. <laughs> and you crushed it. And I finished. But hey. I- <laughs> So what? So, so how many how many months between Napa Valley and San Francisco? Um, so Napa was in March and San Francisco was in July. So what is that like? Four, oh, good grief. Four, <laughs> four people who are going to be listening to this are going to be like, "This girl, she is on a train wreck. She's just a train wreck." Yeah, no. Um, it was really. I don't know what I was thinking. Um. So, so yeah. what was your mileage going into that one? Um, that one was slightly higher, um, than Napa, but still generously like 35 miles a week, like no speed work. That was another kicker. I did no speed work. The only speed work I technically did was Barry's boot camp. And I don't know if you've ever taken a Barry, is it Barry's boot camp on the East coast other than. Wait. Is that B A R R E or is there like a guy? Barry. Barry. B- yeah, B A R R Y apostrophe oh, no. S. No, not but familiar with Barry. Basically, Barry's boot camp is half the class, it's an hour long class, half the class is strength training, half the class is treadmill speed work. So you're not really putting on, you're maybe doing three miles of speed work. Maybe. But not not to the extent of what you actually do on the track now that I know this. So track was a completely foreign thing to me. So you're running with this run three sixty-five group and so sounds like what, like a third of your mileage was probably your long run? Yeah, yeah, probably. We we peaked at twenty miles, so I don't think we went anywhere past that, actually. Okay. All right. All right, so then that was like what, like five marathons I know. in like fourteen months or something. I know, I'm shaking my head. I know. <laughs> and all right, so I feel like there's a lot to be learned there, though, right? I mean, yeah. you, you experience, as you put it, like try fail, try fail, try fail. Yeah. Did were there any moments, um, say, in the last six to nine months or twelve months even, where you had like an epiphany? on like what you needed to do in order to really attack this goal that you had set for yourself? Yeah. I think the um, epiphany actually happened a few days after the San Francisco marathon. Um, There was one moment after Napa Valley where my friend Ashley, she basically tried to tell me that the road to Boston isn't a sprint it's truly a journey and that we will all get there. So getting emotional thinking about that. Sorry, Matt. That was fun. Um, but it really is like, sorry, I'm still here. Um, so that was, that was a moment where it was kind of hard to digest. Um, and then after San Francisco, I was like, okay, what am I doing that's not working for me? And I really think that RTA saved me. 
Um, I think Mary's guidance and having the whole women's team there to support me was incredible. Now, after San Francisco, were um, were you kind of like in an emotionally raw space or were you more just like, all right, I know what I need to do and I'm just going to dedicate myself? So, like, did you have like a fierceness attached to this rebound or was it more like you needed to have like this emotional rebound and then kind of start from scratch again? Oh, no, it was like fierceness. It was like enough is enough. I'm sick of the excuses I'm coming up with. Um, I'm going all in. Like I was, yeah, I was a girl on a mission, but on a whole nother level. <laughs> All right. So what were the, what were, what were some of the foundations to what were, to, what was to come in terms of the training and planning the next, the next attempt? Um, I think my mental state really needed to be in the right frame of mind. Um, so I had mentioned earlier, I picked up Kara Goucher's book, Strong. It's a, an opportunity to create a confidence journal. And she teaches you these principles in the book about your mantra, about having a fight word, about journaling your day, um, day's training, and looking at it with a different perspective. So it really helped me by me by nature I'm already a very optimistic positive person so reevaluating and and looking at my training log um was a total game changer so instead of looking at um okay so for example I would write I would go and run um you know 16 400s was one of my track workouts from Mary and when I look back and I read my journal, I'm like, I'm so proud of myself for not giving up um, on that last 1600. I kept it going. So you just reframe your, your mindset. Um, and then at the end of your training season, you look back and you read through and you're like, wow, I, I did. I accomplished so much day to day. So when you put those workouts or days in the journal is the idea to try to capture something that you're proud of. Is that, is that like the, the underlying theme? Uh, yeah, it's, it's proud of. And then just having the confidence that you really can do this. Like I think we put, or we, I mean, probably me, but a lot of us runners put a lot of pressure on these goals. Um, and that we, we lose sight of enjoying the process. And for this season, I, truly enjoyed the process like I truly enjoyed every single day of training whether it was a rest day um and knowing that my body and my cells were rejuvenating to become a stronger um runner the next day to you know attacking that speed work or you know um running that 745 minute mile uh, at mile 20 on a progression run. It was just like so stellar. <laughs> now you're a very social person. You've already said that you already said as much during this episode. So what, what about joining Arte um, allowed you to kind of like fully embrace that part of your nature and kind of also, you know, put that into the running world as well, instead of just the, the weekly social long run that you were doing prior to, um, to San Francisco? 
Um, I think joining, well, definitely joining Arte, it just allowed me to be surrounded by women um, who were stronger and faster than me, and I wanted to be like them. Um, so, like, for example, you had Elise on your show, Miles to Metals. I had Yeah, Elise Lisa- Garza. Yeah, she's amazing and such a beast. Um, so I nervously reached out to her, even though she's on the same team as me, but, um, you know, following somebody's uh, story on Instagram, it's just so bizarre to like meet somebody in person. But anyway, um, I reached out to her and I was like, hey, um, if you're in town, like, do you want to run a tempo run with me? Um, these are the splits I need to hit. And she more than willingly said, absolutely. Like, let's do this. And running with her was just a game changer running with other women where it was just a game changer just because we would, it just took a lot of the pressure off and just allowed me, my body to just flow naturally into those like faster pieces. And one thing that's always worked for me when I've had the opportunity to do that, um, and I'd love to hear if you had a similar reaction, is that seeing faster people train also put in perspective, like, what I would need to do to reach similar race results. It's, like, one thing to be like, oh, if I get a little faster, then maybe I'll be able to reach this, this, this certain goal. But to see people who are already doing it, for me, I always felt like I – minimized the amount of work it would take for me to get to those goals. But then when I would train with somebody and be like, Oh, they are already at that level. And there's this big gap between us right now. Like it always kind of like crystallized exactly what being that level of runner entailed and what, you know, not that it was like something that I shouldn't be able to do, but it like, I guess by personifying a goal, it made it like maybe truly understand what being that level of runner meant. Oh, a hundred percent. Um, I mean, I would watch, you know, what workouts they're doing. I would ask so many questions. Um, you know, a lot of people gave me advice of, you know, lift heavier, um, run on tired legs. Um, so yeah, it, it definitely just being a student instead of thinking, I mean, I didn't think I knew everything, but you just, truly being a student and putting your ego aside and just absorbing the information was, it really helped. And then I saw a post you did the other day. I think it was on your website. Um, what's the, what's the blog name again? My blog is little bit of soul.com and that's soul, like S O L E, like the sole of your shoe or foot. There it is. Yeah. Right. So you had two screenshots <laughs> of your mileage over the past two years broken down by month. And I could tell, it was very obvious that the past three months, you know, know, basically this CIM uh, race buildup was drastically increased from a mileage perspective than basically any other point in the previous two years. Oh, it blew it out of the water. (laughs) Like I had, my peak month was 175 miles, like I know that's not a lot for some people, but for me, I mean, Matt, I was running like 30 miles, like a week, if anything. So my max mileage was maybe, maybe a hundred miles, maybe. So I, yeah. <laughs> I know it was funny. I saw that and you're right. Cause it was like, you know, a hundred mile a week isn't a hundred mile a month is not what you'd expect from someone who's basically perpetually marathon training. 
so that like I originally read the chart wrong. I was like, oh, this is weekly mileage. No. And I was like, no, hold on. No. This is monthly mileage. <laughs> this is and monthly. I was like, oh my goodness. Like it was <laughs> it was such a drastic thing, but it was so easy to see why um not to skip the end of the story, why but why this buildup was probably more successful than the others, if for no other reason just even taking the social parts out, just by upping the mileage, it seemed like you must have been a much stronger runner. Oh, I was a hundred. I mean, I wasn't just physically stronger. I was mentally stronger. Like, I really sharpened my mindset into truly believing, yes, I can. And that was my mantra. Yes, I can. Um, so, yeah, it was... I mean, look, looking at it from an outsider perspective now, it's like, well, no, no, duh. Like you didn't ever BQ because you're, <laughs> you never really put in the work, but yeah. Now, when you say that you were stronger mentally, how did that play itself out during the training cycle? So during, like I was mentioning before the Kiara's book, um, the daily log of writing a positive thing about my training, my mantra, yes, I can, all of these things. Oh, uh, I mean, there's so many other books like, and podcasts. So, um, you know, Dean or Caster's book, um, let your mind run, just talking about gratitude, um, and, you know, your podcast, like having all of these amazing people on there and everybody's stories. So I just really, you know, listened and took t- all of these tips and tricks and use them into my own training and then apply them during my workouts. So, um, yeah, I just I just kept practicing over and over and over again. So. Did you find yourself being able to um, kind of get through a hard training day or hard training week um, better than you had in the past? Like, was that part of building up the the mental side? Like, was being able to like do hard things on tired legs? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so one of the one of my favorite runs were <laughs> um, it was a race I had done. And the day before I ran 18 miles and the next day I had a 5k and I was going into the 5k thinking, well, I'm just going to run, you know, a 5k. And (laughs) I don't know about you, Matt, but I have a really competitive streak like within myself. So come, come that race morning, once I towed that line and actually um, crossed it, I was like another person came out and I was leading the pack uh, of this 5k. And I knew there was a couple other really strong women in, in the race and it became neck and neck with this me and this other girl, Christine, who's amazing. She's such a strong, phenomenal person and a strong runner. And, um, Mentally, the dialogue was I was being my own worst bully. I was beating myself up mentally. I was telling myself, well, you ran 18 miles the day before. Like, let her have it. She's got this. And then I, um, you know, I I didn't want to, like, succumb to, like, those thoughts. And then I would just play, like, this game in my brain. And then... 
I finally took control of like my negative thoughts and I literally told myself to shut up. And I told myself like, you deserve the win. You're out here, like fight, run hard. And then, um, at the last stretch, I just picked it up and it was like screaming in my own head. Like, yes, you can. Yes, you can. Yes, I can. Yes, I can. Like all the way to the finish. And I think that was just a testament to how strong I was mentally to like truly like overcome my mental bully. Now, have you ever done the opposite where you've given in? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I've given in like feel like all of my marathons. I would really beat myself up. I'm like, you know, why are you doing this? Why are you running? And it's really hard to get out of that dark place. Like it's really, really hard. Um, and then you just have to look to others around you for that support and like try to absorb their energy or look to, um, like for example, at the San Francisco marathon this past year, it was like mile 16 and, I had just saw my fiance, like he, he came to the park cause we live really close to the Golden Gate Park and he like saw me and he goes, you look amazing. And I was like, I feel like shit. Like, but, and of course, like I was. <laughs> Earmuffs um, kids, earmuffs. Sorry, sorry. Um, no, I'm just kidding. And he goes, no, go for it, go for it. And I was like, what's the point? Like I'm already behind in time. And I'm sure if, if I was mentally strong enough at that moment, I'm sure I could have turned it around, but yet I started like playing like the pity party and I looked to another runner who was struggling and running and, um, I just was like, let's do this. Like you're suffering. I'm suffering. Like let's, let's run, walk this till we get out of the park because Golden Gate Park, if you've ever ran it, it seems like this un like just never ending loop of, um, trees, but it's also so beautiful. But when you're in that negative headspace, it could seem very daunting. Um, so yeah, just reaching out to other people around me and just saying like, let's do this. You got this, you know, um, and then just shuffling all the way to the finish. So that 5k must've been, was it, obviously it was a big deal. Was it a paradigm shifting moment for you in preparation for CIM? Oh yeah, it was absolutely. Cause for me, it was this light switch that just made me truly believe I am a Boston qualifier versus I would like to be a Boston qualifier or I'm training to be a Boston qualifier. It's like, I was like, no, this is what it takes. This is the, this is the mental work. Like you can do this. So it's just really just changing the, my mindset. So you, so the mindset was changing. You were, you know, doing active work, not only as a runner, um, but you're doing the mental work, you know, from a journaling perspective, you're, you know, in, you're involved in this running community. You have a coach who's a you know, seasoned professional. Mm-hmm. Everything seemed to be going your way. You know, the race is upon us. It's like your, you know, your local big time marathon. And then you didn't quite have the race week you were probably intending. Yeah. So I found out a couple days, actually that Thursday, that Thursday, right before the marathon. So like three days up, I had gotten laid off from my job. (laughs) 
So I had to bring, I had to, thankfully, the CEO and owner, like, let us have that Friday off, which absolutely probably saved me mentally. Um, And let me rewire my brain to thinking that I... I could just really focus on my race at that point Um, and really look at the weekend with true gratitude. And when people talk about gratitude, you know, it, it could be a very easy word that's thrown around, but I was just so grateful for that season. Like I was grateful that a lot of my, the workload um, from work, was taken off of me because I actually had um, an associate under me that was doing a lot of the work that I was doing. So I mentally and physically could go into a workout 100%. Um, I was grateful my health, um, you know, a few, actually, side side tangent, a few weeks prior, I had kidney stones. So I actually took a couple. Oh, goodness. Yeah, in New York. Um, I was supposed to run (laughs) Here's the other kicker, Matt. I was supposed to run the New York Marathon, (laughs) and I actually didn't get to run the New York Marathon. I wasn't going to, like, race the the marathon. I actually was going to, like, walk with my friends who do, like, six-hour marathons, but Coach Mary wasn't, like, a huge fan of it. Um, but no, especially <laughs> since you just told us that like when you step up to a starting line, your competitiveness like overrules your body. And we also saw that when you ran CIM the first time, yeah. you're like, I'm going to be cute today. And your friend's like, uh, right. Yeah. yeah. So it actually was a blessing in disguise, um, for me not to do it. So my, my body, I the was... first person ever to be happy about kidney stones. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I just was just really grateful. Like just, I was just, I mean, I was there. I was, I did the work. I knew I could do it. Um, and it was I'm just, sorry. Can you, can you repeat that again? I, I, I normally never get a I'm, call when I'm, when I'm doing this. I never, re- oh. I never even realized that, that, that it actually interrupts <laughs> the call. I've never received one. I've been doing this for a year and a half. Um, it's amazing. So can you repeat that um, what you just said again? No, no, no. I was just saying that I was just truly grateful. Like, um, I was grateful that for my health, I was grateful for, you know, where I was professionally, even though, um, I got laid off. I just, I knew I was a better person at the end of the day. And so I was just really excited and I was a a little bit nervous, but I was just really excited to see what I was capable of because I knew I put in the work, um, and I also was grateful that my teammates were going to be there. It's just, I knew it was going to be a great weekend. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. And then we bumped into each other like 24 hours later. Again, yeah. you were like the picture of like calm and relaxed. It was like, I felt like you were with me, like in the group, like not actually <laughs> running and just at the expo to just to hang around. And, um, and then like another thrown in the mix, like race day morning. Oh my God. Race day morning was so stressful and I try to be really calm and cool about it, but we, so my, we stayed in me and my two, um, runner best friends, we stayed in Sacramento and she, they were both driving me to the start line and, um, we are, we were really close on time. I, I was even like, how are we not there yet? Um, and, then we get to like the mile two marker on the course 
And the police officer was like, sorry, the course is officially closed. And my friend's like pleading, but we have a runner in the car. We have a runner in the car. And he goes, well, the last shuttle's directly behind you. And so I panic and I like grab my things. And I was like, oh my God, I'll see you at the finish line. And um, then I'm like, okay, bus driver or shuttle driver, like, why aren't we going yet? Like, um, and it was already like 645. She goes, sorry, we are the last ones. Like we're leaving at 649. And I could just see everybody else's faces in the shuttle, like, so nervous like how is the shuttle going to get us there before seven o'clock because that's the start of the marathon and like, granted I know once you cross the start line that's when your chip time starts but it, that wasn't the point the point was like I wanted to run with my team I knew Mar- coach Mary was going to be a pacer and I knew I was going to have my, my teammates there for just support and mentally it was gonna be great fast forward I'm like we get there, right? Like, and then I have to really go to the bathroom. Like, and it wasn't, there's a difference between nervous pee and like actually like having to pee. Uh, so I really had to go to the bathroom. And, um, but then I heard the announcer say five minutes will start. And I just look at the corrals and they're just jam packed with people. And I just made a split decision, go for it. So I, Try to shove my way through the corral, got about like a quarter of the way through, couldn't move anymore. And then I looked to the right of me and I could see some people kind of shuffling and like jogging towards the start line outside of the corrals. And then I, I'm not really a rule breaker, but I felt like I was breaking the rules at that point because technically you're supposed to be in your corral. So I like went out, ran towards the front, and then I could see the 330 pacer, but I was still looking for Mary and thankfully, thankfully, the night before she posted on our, our Facebook group, she had made, like, these really pretty, like, ribbons for her hair, like, red, um, not red, blue and green, which is the Arate colors. So I saw her, and I was like, oh, my God, Coach Mary. And she goes, you made it. And then, thankfully, yeah, from there on out, I was like, like, you got this. You're with your team now. And then my... Yeah, it was just awesome. And my teammates were there. And I looked over at my teammate, Ashley, who was um, part of the San Francisco chapter. And we had done all of our long runs together. And I was like, we're going to do this. I'm not losing you out of my sight. Like, we're going to do this. So, yeah. And then we started. We started the marathon. <laughs> well, that's, a, that's definitely a crazy scene. That's for sure. And, um, <laughs> you know, it's like you're definitely like. It's hard too, right? Because like the start of a marathon, you want to be like super relaxed because you don't want to do like what you did in the previous marathon, like go out too hard for a smile. Yeah. Like if anything, you want to do the opposite. Like you yeah. just have to treat it like a long run, not get too amped. So like, right. but I guess because you're with your coach, like at that point, you can pretty much just go on autopilot for a while. Oh, and I definitely went on autopilot. I was just one again 100% grateful I found them and then two just listening to coach Mary like um tell us you know just breathe relax think of this as another long training run you have plenty of time to like um speed it up at the end but now is the time to reserve your energy stay patient so just really listening to her and then just letting my body naturally get into the rhythm was 
very it was awesome now how did it go for you over the last eight miles i know that's usually the bugaboo for most runners once they start losing glycogen or hit that mirror that you know that that marathon wall that so many people hit at CIM, there's, there is, is an actual wall. There is an actual wall. <laughs> it's so cool. Cause it was like, it says the wall. And I, so for the first, the, the whole marathon, I felt great. I felt great. till the finish line, I didn't feel depleted in energy. I felt amazing, which is another kicker why I couldn't ever probably complete my marathons prior it was I, I was never fueling properly so fuel is so important um and so I was using and I use um generation you can it's I don't know if you've ever um played with it or, or tried to to use it for your runs Matt um but it's a super I don't I don't step. run long enough recently to like I even have to worry about nutrition. So this is like, it's a, yeah. that's like a part of my running that like I haven't had to experiment with in a long time, but I you know I've heard so much about it. So, Oh, it's awesome. Like even if you're running a half marathon, um, I mean, even if you're ru- running a 5k or a 10k, any, any distance really, um, you can just play with the fueling of it. And it's, it's a super starch powder that you mix with water and there's just a bunch of different flavors they also have bars, but anyway, um, so I had drank the, my pre-drink prior, which is, um, I do two scoops of it. So that one scoop is supposed to sustain your energy for about an hour, 45 minutes ish, but I did two scoops. So that's, you know, a little over two hours of energy. Um, so right at like the mile 12 marker, I actually, um, started, I, I always run with, um, a concentrated version. So just less water. Um, and I like nurse on that a little bit, just, just to just get the fueling back in my system. And I felt so strong. Like I knew through training runs, how it affected my body, but I didn't know how well my body was going to receive the fuel on race day. And I'm like the biggest advocate now. So anybody listening generation, you can, I have a very sensitive stomach. <laughs> so you should definitely try it out. <laughs> there you go. Now, obviously, you know, we, we, you know, you're, you're also like an emotional person. Yeah. So what was it like for you to then get to this finish line and something that you'd been, you know, maybe not working in the proper way to achieve over the past <laughs> two years, but right? working nonetheless. Like you spent a lot of emotional and mental energy thinking about this goal, um, no matter what your preparations had looked like. So what was it like for you to finally achieve it? Oh, I knew we absolutely, and by we, so running with a team if you've ever been able to run with other people, but the fact I was able to run with my teammates from the beginning to the very end was a complete game changer. Um, I was more concerned about other people than I was about myself and how I was doing. Um, Physically, I felt phenomenal. I never felt like I was crashing. I never felt like my legs were getting heavy. I, it was just that magic on race day that you hear from other people. That's, that's what I had. So I knew we absolutely were going to be Q 
at the last 5k mark. Um, and I just, of course, like that, that marathon, uh, that saying, like, you never know what happens in the marathon. I mean, I, I try not to like, let it affect me, but I just, I felt, I was like, this feel, I feel way too good. I knew this, I knew it was going to happen. So there are moments when throughout the course where I would see familiar faces or friends and I would literally choke up in tears and like scream and like smile. And I just, it was awesome. It was so awesome. When I crossed that finish line, I visualized that finish line every single night because every night I would take what Kara um, suggested about positive visualization. So practicing what, how your morning would unfold, how you will feel during the race. Um, knowing that I had ran it the, the year before, there were moments where I really visualized like how I would feel like running up and over the mile 21 bridge, um, how I would feel during the finish line, what I would say to myself when things got tough. And I honestly believe that because I pos- I did that positive visualization so many times that race day felt like a breeze because I had thought of the worst scenarios possible during my vi- visualizing that when it, yeah. So it just, it was just awesome. It was so awesome. <laughs> That's fantastic. And so what was the finishing time? My finishing time was three hours and 26 minutes and 17 seconds. And then oh, my, my teammate Ashley came in like, a couple seconds right behind me. I turned around. I gave her the biggest hug. I was screaming. We are Boston qualifiers. Like we did it. It was so cool because there were moments during the race that I would literally close my eyes and just listen to everybody around me. And all of our footsteps were so in sync. It just was, it was just magical. It was very, very cool. And I'm even my pace, like those 26 miles, I've never had even splits and every single split was practically dead on. If not, it was the second, um, you know, away. It was like five or seven, seven fifty three, seven fifty four, seven fifty three, seven fifty four, seven fifty five. It was just it was awesome. <laughs> Man, it's giving me goosebumps. That's such a that's such a great story. I really appreciate you sharing it on this show. And you know, thank you so much for coming on. It's always a pleasure to talk to you, Alicia. It really is. Um, so I want to say that first before we dive into the last series of questions we do at the end of every episode. Um, so first one is, I guess, when you're not running with your with your group, are you re- are you wearing headphones or no headphones? Right now, no headphones because I love the mental dialogue that's going on between my ears. And I really have loved um, overcoming the negative talk and just telling myself, yes, I can. That's great. So what advice do you give other people about running that you have trouble following? Don't be so hard on yourself. Um, There's always a race around the corner. Don't do what I did. (laughs) (laughs) Signing up for a race every three months, um, really just take some time for yourself to just heal mentally and physically reframe and find that passion to get after it in the next training cycle. But yeah, it's, 
don't take it so seriously. It's we're, we're all going to get there. And that's why the community is so awesome to lift each other up. That's great. So what is a, um, if you, Oh, I was going to say, I was, do the, I was about to do the wrong order. I was getting a little ahead of myself. Oh, it's okay. I was like so confident <laughs> that I like started messing up the order. All right. So if you could run only one more race the rest of your life, but you could run it every year, what race would that be? The race hands down would be the run Disney Tinkerbell 10 K. Um, it's, I don't know if you've ever done a run Disney race and that's actually what made me fall more in love with running is the run Disney races. And right now they're kind of on a hiatus at Disneyland. They're still happening at Disney world, but the Tinkerbell one is just so fun because I wear a tutu and the 10 K is quick enough where you really get into it. But at the same time you get to experience both parks and I mean, who doesn't love high-fiving Mickey at the end or Minnie Mouse? So <laughs> There you go. A bit better or worse than getting a, a, a necklace from a firefighter? Uh, ooh, better. Disney, Disney is always better than the firefighters. I mean, but go. thank you, firefighters, for what you do. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for your service, but I'll yes. take Mickey Mouse. All yeah, right. yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, all right, so other end of the spectrum, what is a uh, bucket list race for you? And that's definitely Boston. I think that's an easy, easy answer. I'm, right. I'm really hopeful my time is good enough now that the qualifying standards had, had changed. Um, but, yeah, if not, you know, I'll get after it again and hopefully get a better time if for some reason I don't get into 2020. There you go. All right, last one. Who is your dream running partner? Um, I think that's a toss up between, I know everybody talks about celebrities and, and what, and some other, but definitely probably Des. She's so, she's so cool. Like she is so, how do you follow her Twitter account? I do. Her, her sense of humor is like out of this world. She, she is hilarious. And I think we could really enjoy some whiskey together. Like, yeah. Oh, okay. So, she... so forget about running. <laughs> just, just take her to a bar. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that. Maybe the run first, and then we'll, like, have some whiskey together. I don't know. There you go. I love it. Alicia, thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been so much fun. Thank you, Matt. I'm so honored, and you're – it's been so awesome. So awesome. All right. I'll talk to you again. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Thank you, Alicia, for coming on the Rambling Runner podcast. This was such a fun conversation. Alicia – is just such a great personality and just someone who's just really enjoyable to talk to. So I'd also give her a follow on Instagram. She's just fantastic. Just, just a great person. That's for sure. And as I said in the beginning of this episode, I had a chance to connect with her in person at CIM and just literally sit on the couch and just, uh, just hang out. And it was a lot of fun. That's for sure. So Thank you, Alicia, for coming on the show. Thank you to Mercury Mile and Megaton Coffee for sponsoring this episode. You can check them out at mercurymile.com and megatoncoffee.com, respectively. And as always, I wouldn't be you know, giving them shout-outs on this episode if I wasn't a big fan, and I am. So thank you to both of you. Also, thank you to everybody who's listening today that I'm recording this. And I should say, today, the day you're listening to this is Christmas Eve. And I hope you and your family are having a wonderful Christmas experience. If you don't celebrate Christmas, well, I hope you have a happy holidays as well. This time of year is special for everybody because it's the end of the year. And oftentimes we reflect on the things that we did throughout the year, this year, 2018. And 
try to predict how we can be better in 2019. And with that in mind, we're going to have some episodes centered on those topics in the coming weeks. So until we get there, thank you so much for listening and happy running.